lights down Hand over my crown Hand over my heart I do this for my town I do this for my crowd So turn me up real loud My time, my time None of you people can tell me to stop Hello everybody, welcome to this week's episode of MGR Unplugged David, how are you today? Great, as always Great as always, I like that um, we have a few topics today, but actually I want to start with one of our favorite uh, topics that we've discussed maybe three, four times over the year, which is Quibi. Guess what? Our prediction became a reality. We said that. It wasn't it? much of a prediction. <sighs> I think most people th- most people predicted this. Anyways, what we're talking about is that Quibi decided to finally shut down and cut their losses, which probably is a bit too late because they lost a lot of money. But they are shutting down. And uh, we we said this. I remember the very first time that we criticized Quibi's concept and campaign to at that point because it wasn't launched yet. It was um, during the Super Bowl when they had the ads and all that stuff. Then they said, uh, we'll be back in a Quibi. And people didn't know exactly what that was and all that stuff. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's been six months where they've done nothing but lose money, try to come up with different ideas, different concepts, different... Um, creators and uh, celebrities endorsing it or working or participating in it. And then finally, Meg Whitman and Jeffrey Katzenberg, the, the, the two, the founder and CEO, um, decided to just um, shut it down. So, sad ending. Eh, they'll be fine. Katzenberg and Meg Whitman. Uh, that was a lot. That was $1.7 billion or something or? Yeah. So. That's a lot of freaking money. It's a lot of money for two big wigs in the advertising and corporate world, especially Jeffrey Katzenberg. I mean, he he's a big guy. And, oh uh, yeah, I mean, he's been around. He's head of Disney. Not yeah. head, he's dead, head of Disney Studios. Head of Paramount. Uh, Wasn't he with a uh, part of Pixar too? Or no, I don't. Th- I think he was KZG too. But anyways, um, either way, um, this venture really failed. Um, they, in their quote, they say that both of them say that it failed and there were actually, they say, quote unquote, one or two reasons. And they say, one, the, the idea of Quibi either wasn't strong enough to justify a standalone streaming service or that the launch of the service in the middle of the pandemic was bad timing and bad luck. They said that probably it's a combination of the two and they probably never know which one is which. I don't know if either of those is true. I think the pandemic is an excuse that you can use, but unfortunately, um, there's a lot of other theories that uh, kind of don't work with that because, I mean, at the same time, Apple TV Plus and HBO Go and um, Disney, uh, HBO Max and um, Disney Plus and all those other services are actually doing very well. So on Netflix, obviously, was the yeah, no, leader they, of the it pack. It was a bad idea. Didn't work. And, I, you know, the reason why I, I saw some people trying to defend and saying, oh, well, you know, it's easy to trash. I agree. I'm not one to trash people for trying companies and failing, um, especially startups. The reason why Katzenberg is getting so much flack it's not because he tried something. I don't care. People can try things. It's for a few reasons. A, they raised a ridiculous amount of money. B, they were incredibly kind of cocky and arrogant. You know, Katzenberg had a lot of quotes. He said things like, uh, 
Um, I know millennials better than they know themselves. Um, what there was a meeting where they were having they were having a strategy meeting early on, and when people were disagreeing with what he was saying about millennials, he told them in the meeting basically he told them, uh, "I've been doing this longer than you've been alive." You know, so if you're gonna raise a bunch of money and you're gonna try to do something big with a bit of with quite a bit of arrogance, quite frankly, um, you better win, right? Like it does take arrogance to say you want to. Uh, build another multi-billion dollar streaming service when there's already others out there. It takes arrogance to do any startup ultimately, right? But know that if you're going to act with arrogance, sometimes it's needed, but at the same time, when you fail, you have to understand that people are going to rip on you. Um, and so well, when you raise $1.7 million and are kind of arrogant in the things you say, you better win because if you don't, people are going to trash you. And, and the other thing is that this is another example of, uh, you know, when past performance does not guarantee future results. I mean, Katzenberg comes with all these credentials having run like, you know, DreamWorks, SKG, past Disney and all that stuff, all these all these major studios and productions. And obviously he was he is very successful. And like you said, he launches this new this new um, streaming service when it's kind of started to get a little saturated with a brand new concept that frankly, if it's not there, it's probably because it's not useful and uh, it just didn't work. You know, I yeah, think- Yeah, I mean, I, I, I said, you know, the biggest thing to me from day one was, you know, they paid a bunch of money to celebrities that nobody cares about. Um, I don't think traditional celebrities are what draws people anymore. Um, the new, you want internet celebrities, which are YouTubers, TikTokers, Instagram people, right? You want people who are big on those platforms, especially if you're building an internet first company, you should have internet celebrities. The traditional world celebrities, you know, Reese Witherspoon, Kevin Hart, all these people, I don't know if they're really honestly big draws for an app. And I don't think that's what's gonna make the difference uh, for an app like Quibi. And quite frankly, um, the space they were competing in was tough because, you know, Netflix succeeds because they do really high budget, um, longer form content, right? Um, Quibi was doing shorter form content that was higher budget, but if, right, and their whole thing was it's quick bites, it's Quibi, uh, you have, everything is like five to 10 minutes long. It's like, well, I think honestly, most people who have five to 10 minutes, especially because their target was millennials, mm -hmm. they're gonna, if you have five to 10 minutes to watch something, you're probably gonna watch YouTube or TikTok or something like that. You're probably not gonna go to I don't even Quibi. think people, when they have five, 10 minutes, even watch anything, they probably just go to an Instagram or something and swipe through stories yeah, I mean, or... I mean, you can watch stories, you can watch TikTok, you can watch YouTube, whatever, but like they're competing in a space that's really difficult to compete in. And ultimately, you know, the entertainment business is a hits business at the end of the day. I mean, it, it is a hits business. You either, Netflix puts out a ton of crap. And I, by crap, I mean literal crap. Yeah, I know. Right? True. But, you know, what? If because remember when Quibi launched, at the same time, Tiger King was huge and exploding. And Tiger King is the type of show that, um, it's not like, I mean, the production value was fine, but I'm sure that wasn't a massive budget. It was just like a documentary of some dudes mm -hmm. that own tigers, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's the type of thing that Quibi, 
that's an example where Netflix could put out 20 documentaries. They just need one Tiger King. You know, mm -hmm. the other 19, nobody hears about. And so Quibi never got their hit. I also think that they went around about the wrong strategy of going with old school celebrities. So there's a lot of reasons they failed. And the reason they're getting trashed is not because they tried something big and failed. It's because they were kind of arrogant with what they were saying going in. Yeah. Like, you know, like I know, know I know millennials better than you do. <clears throat> I'm going to raise $1.7 billion to, I mean, yeah, okay. Uh, you know, you and, better and like win you if you're going to do that I stuff. think you mentioned this to, before a few times that, you know, like you said, YouTube creators, all that stuff. Like celebrities are not, uh, the, I mean, celebrities have their pool, uh, but the celebrities they chose are not Celebrities, like, this is what people don't understand. Celebrities have a pool in the traditional world. So a, cele but a celebrity might have a poll if you're going to launch a new TV show. It will help to have a big name celebrity on it. Or a movie helps to have celebrities. It, less so now than it used to be, but still it helps, right? But when you're doing internet things, people don't care. Right. People don't care. And, and, uh, and a YouTuber will bring way more people to an internet-based thing than a traditional celebrity would. Right. You know? And that's because that's their... That's their battlegrounds. You know, you're taking somebody who doesn't work in the internet world and bringing them to the internet world and thinking that it's going to work. It doesn't, you know, and, and that's why every celebrity now is trying to adapt. That's why Will Smith is all in on YouTube. That's why all these uh, like Matthew McConaughey is doing lots of stuff now. All these traditional celebrities, Kevin Hart, I think, has done it pretty well. But even he, I think, is still and he had shows on Quibi. And it's like I think he still is a little too attached to the old school world right and mm -hmm. so uh it's really it, people but, don't but care but i think I, I i also i mean i don't know millennials whatever but uh i i hate this classification of like millennials baby boomers whatever like like i mean there's different trends and stuff but at the same time you have a format that is video up to about 10 minutes for a little quick story but it's video, meaning that you need to be watching it. It's not like a podcast. It's not like a, something they listen to on the go or something and you can be doing other stuff. It's a video. So you need to have like five minutes or 10 minutes or something where you need to be watching a screen somewhere. I don't know where I find myself in that situation. They say, oh, where people yeah, are cooking or something. Can I tell you something? You know? Can I tell you something? TikTok beat them. Right. Exactly. TikTok is video. Exactly. And TikTok kicked their well, ass. That's, that's and guess what? TikTok, now they have celebrities because everybody has to like, is chasing their of tail course. trying to get but onto that's it. Exactly but point. when TikTok launched or started growing a lot in the US, there were no celebrities on TikTok. Nobody famous on no, TikTok. No, but the thing with TikTok is that stories on the videos are limited to like 10, 15 seconds. I mean, they're- No, very, it's a minute. A minute now? Yeah. Okay, so so you have a two minute video that- But you there's can, plenty of short you can, ones too. Right, but. right. But you can swipe, you can basically go to the next, go to the next. And that's what I'm saying. When you have like a five, 10 minutes to kill because you are- in some kind of waiting room, whatever you are for a few minutes stopped or something and you don't have enough time to watch a long-term video, a long-format video or a podcast or something, you just go to, uh, it could be Instagram stories, Instagram videos or TikTok or whatever, just go pump, 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 watch like 10, five things. It's very addictive and you get glued to it. The Quibi format, a, f a, a little mini episode of a series that is like, it, it just that to me, I, I don't know what the format is for that. I mean, really, I, and I think they're going to have a hard time selling it. They're trying to, now they, they hire this um, agency, this firm to try to buy, to try to find buyers for their for their IP and their content and everything else, which they don't even own the content either. So um, it's going to be hard to sell any of their intellectual property, basically.
So I don't know really what the uh, the, the outcome is going to be of this. We'll be following it, but um, it's just uh, six months. I mean, that's all it took, you know. So is Quibi another um, victim of COVID? <laughs> or, no, or no. Or he would have died anyways. In fact, COVID might have helped them because people had nothing to do, and so they were open and, to well, downloading Well, that's exactly the app. point, that when they came out, um, it was it was almost like perfect timing. When people are confined, they're, I mean, to, Netflix... To me, honestly, the, the biggest thing is just, you know, $1.7 billion. We could do a lot with $1.7 billion. Oh. You could do much cooler startups than another streaming service. The world has enough streaming services. Right. You know, uh, I, I think... Anyways, they failed. It's fine. Whatever. I don't think anybody is shocked by this. You know, obviously, it's easy to, it's easy to to rag on people. And again, I don't normally rag on companies. Well, the no, only reason I, case, I would rag but, on them is, like I said, because if you're gonna go in with a lot of arrogance, you better win. You know, it's it's very it's that simple. But honestly, as much as we've been criticizing Quibi on people that follow the podcast, know that we've done it like three or four times already. Um, I actually didn't think they're gonna die or or expire in six months. I thought they were gonna try to continue giving it tries for about losses. twelve months, but they cut their losses. Yeah, they 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 even decided not to spend additional money because they saw that it was a dead end. So they probably said, "Listen, we're not gonna spend all the money no, that we have." They they got one hundred fifty million in ad revenue uh, deals. Ooh from all these companies but i think it was based on one or two year terms so they're gonna have to refund a lot of that money now and what about the subscriptions um i have no idea what their subscription numbers they were. had two types of subscriptions the five and ten dollars or something with or without ads and all that so uh, obviously that's a month to month so people that subscribe will just uh, finish but yeah basically they are done um and quib is over so on the other side um snap parent company of Snapchat um, is doing actually better than I expected. <laughs> David? What have I been saying? Snapchat is the most underrated of all the consumer tech companies out there. And they're finally kind of seeing their day. And I still think that they're going to grow a lot more from here. But like I said, well, we were having the AR discussion. Right. Was that last that week? That was last week, yes. I said that if any company besides Apple were to build AR glasses, I think Snapchat's the one to do it. Because they have, you know, the thing with Snap is that someone said it actually really well. They're the last of the rebels. Um, all the big tech companies have kind of become very corporate. Not yeah. to say that Snap hasn't become more corporate. Obviously, they're a large public company now, so they have to an extent. But they're still very much the rebel in the space. They still do. They're still zagging when everybody else is zigging. You know, they're not put in the same group as the Facebooks and Amazons and, and all these in Googles and all these bigger tech companies, right? People don't really associate with them. Obviously, they're much smaller as far as revenue and market right. cap. But, um, you know, they're making money. They're profitable, cash flow positive, so they don't need to raise more money to stay alive, and they keep innovating. And I think Snap is a company that, if you're gonna own shares in them, this is not investment advice, this is a company that you own for the long term. This isn't a company that I think is gonna just uh, become you know, a 50 billion revenue uh, company like a Facebook overnight, but they make, what was their revenue numbers? I forget. Um, but they're in the billions of revenue now. Yeah, they they're they, profitable. Uh, um, they're cash flow positive. Speaking of, you were talking about investment advice. I mean, the, their stock just went up. Obviously, we'll see what happens when anything settles. But uh, from from their earnings call, it went up almost thirty percent. I mean, it was in the low twenties. Now today is like a thirty-eight or so. So that's a 
huge, huge jump. Yeah, and they're still But I think they're also benefiting from the fact that there's been a lot of noise and, you know, all these big other companies that they Facebooks and Googles and YouTubes and so forth uh, were going to Congress with the antitrust, anti-monopoly, and, you know, Facebook was notorious from copy, basically everything that Snap was doing that was successful. They were using them as a Trojan horse to see if it works well, when copy it. With all the things that, that Facebook has taken from Snap, um, obviously stories being the biggest, but a lot of other things, the filters, the lenses, all those things. Um, what Facebook has not been able to replicate, even with the acquisition of WhatsApp, is there's still way more users of Snapchat as a messaging service than there are on Facebook. Mm -hmm. Facebook DMs or, or Messenger, uh, Instagram DMs, WhatsApp in the United States pales in comparison to Snapchat. Uh, so Snapchat still has them beat on messaging despite, I mean, how much money has Facebook spent trying to grow Messenger, uh, mm -hmm. Facebook Messenger. Uh, now they're building this consortium thing that's going to combine Facebook Messenger, Instagram DMs, and WhatsApp into one. We'll see. But they still they still haven't beaten Snapchat on messaging. And that's where Snapchat wins. That's though. one thing that is difficult to beat because it's more of a user preference type thing. The and, problem uh, with messaging, though, if I was to... Uh, give a counter argument. They have no, for, for Snapchat. Okay. The problem with messaging is, it's, and this is something that um, Ben Thompson from Stratechery has written a lot about, and he said the problem with messaging is it is really hard to monetize. How do you make money from messaging? Because you can't read people's messages and sell their data, right? That's a no-no. Okay, so you can't do that. Um, are you going to put ads in the messaging platform somehow? No, because people will hate that. Um, are you gonna make them pay for it? Well, no, because there's so many free options. So messaging is hard to make money from. But it's a good anchor. It is a great anchor. Right. So the thing that Snapchat is trying to do is they're not gonna ever monetize messaging. Messaging is there and that's their core and that's right. why they have hundreds of millions of users who use the messaging. What they're trying to monetize is on the stories on the snap originals, all these things. I think the snap originals and the other content that they have, um, it's not great. I think that it's not going to be, it's not going to be what makes Snapchat win. I think what makes Snapchat win is the longer term. And I think if I had to bet where Snapchat is focusing most of their resources for the long term, it is on AR. Because I think Snapchat has been ahead of the game on AR for years and years now. And that if I were to guess within two or three years, they will have a pair of glasses that they launch um, so, that are built in. And they may even have their own Snap OS for those glasses. And that's how they win. Because right. if they can build a Snap app store, like, like think about how valuable the app store is on the iPhone. Well, the same thing when AR glasses become popular. Mm -hmm. the owning the app store for that will be massive. Right. That's how Snapchat wins. Again, this is all speculation, but if I were to guess where they're going, that's where they're going. But that's it just, the long It just term. seems to me that, you know, when when uh, you backtrack to maybe a year or two ago, or even three, when Snap started kind of like Snapchat, basically, when it went public and then people were hesitating and then Facebook kept just copying other features and all that stuff. Now we're a little bit more like um, Facebook can only do so much. I mean, they even copy reels from TikTok and it's not being that successful. So Facebook is becoming now super complicated, convoluted. I mean, it's just the, the, the Facebook platform is oversaturated with features that people don't even understand anymore. And then you have Instagram on the other side that it has the stories and the reels and this. And, and it's just becoming equally complicated now, which is part of Facebook as well. Plus, 
WhatsApp. So now I think that those kind of intermingled paths are starting to separate again where Snap is, Snapchat has its own features and it's growing a little more independently of everybody copying it. And uh, the, the active users now is 250 million, which is uh, year over year is basically almost 20% increase. So that means that they're not stuck on a certain demographic or anything, that people are still being added, you know? So that's the main thing that investors like to see, that the active users are, are increasing. But the other thing I was gonna ask you is, um, we were talking about also, um, you know, obviously monetizing the platform is how these people make money, but in addition to the AR glasses, um, uh, when we discuss social commerce, for example, for other platforms like Facebook is getting into Facebook shops and, and, and Google has a little bit of an application there too. And obviously you have Shopify trying to fight with Facebook. Where do you see Snapchat going into the e-commerce Oh, they'll arena? be part of it. I think their ad products are already pretty good. Um, and I think they will expand that. I think they will at some point add in um, shopping built into Snap in the same way that Facebook is doing Facebook shops. I think we'll have Snap shops or whatever they call it. Um, the thing that Snapchat hasn't done much of that they could is live streaming. Um, they don't, that's not Snap. Snap doesn't do live streaming. They could though. And I think if they were to add a live product, um, I think it could work. I Why really do you do. think they don't have that? Because they are not Facebook. Um, well, they, you know, I think, um, I think Evan Spiegel, the CEO, is is one of the best product people alive right now, and he doesn't get the credit. And maybe that's because Snapchat uh, has had some hard times, but. I think that he is one of the best product people out there, best product CEOs, and will continue to be. And Snap has a strong focus on what they do really well. And what they do really well is messaging, and what they do really well still is stories. Uh, even though I know Instagram copied them, they still have a strong story space. Um, and then on top of that, what they do really well is the AR features. Um, so they focus what they do. They focus on what they do really well, and they're continuing to improve them upon what they do really well. Will they expand? I think they will do live streaming eventually. Um, I because I think that is a good monetization route, especially if you do the commerce. Um, but yeah, I think the commerce, I think their ad products are getting better every day. They keep adding more and more ad products that seem to work really well for advertisers, especially as Facebook gets more and more expensive. Mm -hmm. Uh, people are looking for other avenues. Um, and so I think snap would be a good option for that. But yeah, I think AR and commerce are the future of the monetization. Do you see um, a situation where, um, like Shopify or any of these e-commerce uh, platforms will partner with Snapchat to, to uh, sync up their platform I'm with sure them. Shopify would be happy to. I mean, Shopify partners with everybody these days. You right. know, they even partner with Walmart. Um, right. So yeah, I'm sure they'd be happy to. Because I mean, that's what's making Shopify and all the other e-commerce platforms fight Amazon so so wisely these days. Amazon is its own standalone universe, you know, and they still dominate e-commerce. But when you see Shopify, like I said, partnered with Walmart, partnered with Facebook for shops, and now they start getting Snapchat. Basically, they are dominating social commerce more than Amazon. So that I think could be a good, um, a great actually um, addition to uh, people that go the Shopify right. route. And, and that's the argument pro Facebook right. that I've had for a long time is that Facebook 
has a lot of ways to make money, not mm -hmm. just ads. Right. And that they're going to always, the thing that Facebook has always been very good at compared to most consumer tech companies is they know how to make money. You know, the, the, lots of companies know how to get lots of users, mm -hmm. but then turning on revenue channels is very hard without losing those users, right? Facebook has done that better than probably anybody in social, and that's why they're soon to be a trillion dollar company. The other piece of data that I'm looking uh, with Snap is that the, the growth by region of the world, basically. So in North America, they have about, uh, so Q3 that just ended, of 2020, they have 90 million users. Uh, year over year, that's 77% growth. In Europe, they have 72 million users, which is about 10% year over year. And the rest of the world is 87 million users, which is a 43% uh, growth year over year, which means that it's growing a lot um, elsewhere, you know, outside of the U.S. and Europe. Uh, one of the, uh, even though they didn't disclose the breakdown of the rest of the world, one of the suspicious or suspicions is that uh, because TikTok was banned in in a number of countries, including India, uh, that a lot of um, people in India are jumping onto Snapchat now, and that's. Um, helping their growth. Well, you know where they're actually big? Um, they're actually pretty big in the Middle East, uh, Snapchat is. is and it? I think they're growing in North Africa too. So that could be as those, especially North Africa, as the economy develops in North Africa, I think mm -hmm. that they will have a large growth opportunity there. Not to mention every other social company will probably go there too. But um, yeah, I mean, I think we're very US focused uh being in the u.s but yeah we forget that you know there's billions of people in the world so right. there's lots of users to be had so so they have a lot of room to growth to and i think that's what investors like because they um even though north america is basically a third of the users the uh the revenue per user that's the other metric that advertisers look into or investors more than advertisers is pretty high i mean the uh the revenue per user in north america is 5.5 dollars basically um, whereas in the rest of the world, per month, was that? Oh, for Snap. For Snap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, okay. So for Snapchat, the uh, right. revenue per now user. Now that's still very low, because if you want to compare Facebook. Oh yeah, oh, I know. Obviously, is, compared to I think twenty-seven. Yes. Dollars. Per oh yeah. User. Compared to the other major platforms, right, but Facebook also has one point two billion now or something. Yeah. I don't know. But in the US I think it's twenty seven dollars per user, something oh, like yeah, that. Oh yeah, they have a lot of room for growth. I mean they, so so in North America it's five and a half dollars now per user and uh, that that is a sixty one percent growth um uh over the quarter. But to give you a, uh, an analogy or comparison, the rest of the world is only 0.95. So that's what I think there's going to be a lot of growth. I mean, the potential for growth there is huge. If if the U.S. continues to grow, so they the, go from five to, let's say, eight, seven, I mean, eight, nine, ten. Well, one of the reasons I mentioned the MENA region, Middle East, North Africa, is because mm -hmm. there is another startup, I forget the name of it, um, that's based out of there. Um, uh, I can't remember the name of it. Um, that is another social platform, and they have some unique things that I haven't seen in American platforms. But their average revenue per user was staggering for that region. It was something like $9 per user in Middle East, North Africa, right, where the average uh, basically income is right. much lower. It is lower. So course. to have $9 per user was massive. And that's where I think Snapchat could have a, a lot of growth. Because if you look at the growth, obviously, I think Snap still, 
wants to and definitely can and should grow a lot more than the U.S. and North America and Europe. But in that region, which is so underdeveloped as far as um, Internet companies go in that region, in Middle East, North Africa, where there's probably I don't know the exact population depends how you break it out, but there's probably a billion people there. Um, that is a massive growth region that all of the companies are now looking at. And they actually, because their economies are developing so quickly, have a lot of money too. So yeah, I think I'm very bullish on Snap. I think they'll keep going. But this is one thing that I kind of wonder how how it's going to go in the future. Like North America, we just said North America has 90 million daily users, active users, and Europe has 72. So let's say that they are kind of almost even, you know. However, the, the average revenue per user in North America is $5.5, as we said, whereas in Europe is 1.43. So with about similar number of users, the revenue per user in North America is basically three and a half times what they... Is that because the American consumer is more one. used to the platform or this kind of... Um, consumption via no it's just the u.s consumer is worth more okay u.s consumers have more money to spend therefore advertisers will pay higher cpms and that's how these platforms make their money so f the u.s will always be at least for the you know next uh, 30, it, 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 the next 30 years but, facebook or, or the u.s will always be the highest average revenue per user yes but the revenue per user is estimated based on the average money that the user spends on the platform basically no it's based on how much money they make per user right how much money they make per user based on what is the make part how much money the user no they how much they get in ad revenue per user exactly basically so it's, it's ad revenue per user exactly so unless they add other options but for now when you look at average revenue per user, right. most of the time it's ad revenue per user exactly basically. so that's my point that the ad revenue per user is much higher in the u.s right because Americans have more money to spend. American companies, advertisers. American or consumers have more money to spend. Therefore, American companies can spend more advertising. They bid higher to advertise exactly. to American consumers. Okay, that's, exactly. what I, I, that's what I wanted to clarify. That is not how many... Because when you, re, when you read rev, revenue per user, you say, oh, well, we have 70 million users, and then each of them is buying an average of uh, $5 worth of product or whatever we're advertising. No, no, no. It's based on so how much it's not ads. That. Exactly. Yeah. It's how much the company is making from ad how revenue. Much, if you use Snapchat... How much money in ads can I make by serving ads to you? Right, which basically means that you can advertise on Snapchat or with Snapchat in Europe and basically pay a third of what you would pay in the U.S. for the same ad, basically. As far right, as but also the consumer in Europe does well, not have as much money that's as the American reason why. Yeah, they're both related, but uh, that's the point. That's that I why have. I was saying that the fact that this one startup had $9 per user in MENA when Facebook, I think, has 270, I think, or $3 or something like that in mm -hmm. the same region is insane. And so they've clearly unlocked something. Um, and that Snap, I think, has an opportunity to do the same. Okay. All right. Um, we'll see what happens. I mean, do you think um, that this quarter is an outlier or is more of a trend? No, it's been a trend. They keep growing, their revenues keep growing, their monetization is getting better. Um, uh, yeah, no, I think it's going to keep going. Okay, so my final question on this or comment, when when you see the active users increasing, like they increase 18% uh, year over year, is the active user dropping another platform and joining Snapchat or is adding Snapchat to 
Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever they have. At one point, the, yeah, the I mean, social media spectrum becomes too saturated that people are just not able to do well, anything. Well, I mean, where is it coming from? I mean, I, I don't use Snapchat, so I don't know. I don't know. I mean, people only have so much time in the day. So right. obviously, if the average person, let's say, has an average of whatever, six, it's probably more now because uh, like if the average person maybe has like six hours of leisure time a day. Now, obviously, there's time when they're working or whatever that they also use social media for I small amounts. the phone amounts. gives you the screen time every right. week. So the average person has maybe, let's say, six hours of leisure a day. They can do that watching Netflix, watching regular TV, sports, whatever, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, mm -hmm. Snapchat, right, right, whatever, right? right? So not Quibi anymore, unfortunately. Yeah, not Quibi anymore, unfortunately. <laughs> but um, yeah. That will so free up some time. People have six hours in the day, let's say on average, to consume these things. And these companies are all fighting for a share of that six hours. So yes. If Snapchat is growing, because the other thing that um, Snapchat was growing a lot before, I'm not familiar with what their numbers are now, was not just the uh, daily users, but the minutes used per day. And mm -hmm. that their minutes used per day was okay. growing a lot. I'm sure they'll have that data here. And I think um, Instagram is a platform that has seen their minutes used per the day stickiness type flatten. Wow. So before Instagram was growing, they started like they were 15, then 20, then 25, and then 30 minutes a day. And I think now they're somewhere in the 35-ish range minutes per day on average mm -hmm. per user. Okay. Um, well, quite a bit. Yeah. But it's plateaued. Like they thought maybe they could get up to like an hour a day and it doesn't look like that's going to happen mm -hmm. unless they make some product changes. But it's, it's plateaued. TikTok has a massive amount. I, I don't know their number um, off the top of my head, but I remember it was staggeringly high compared to most platforms mm -hmm. um so yeah there's there's obviously the users per day but then also how much time are they spending on the platform because the more time they spend on the platform the more ads you can serve them right right all right so let's move on from um snapchat i mean i think i think yeah i agree i mean i'm not a user uh i know a lot of people that use it but i mean it's to me it's like time in the day i mean i'm trying to reduce my social media consumption quite a bit actually right no, um, I agree. Me too. But, you know, the thing I'll say about Snapchat is um, um, it doesn't give me the same feeling of almost a little bit anxiety that other platforms do. Because mm -hmm. um, it's mostly uh, the only thing I use Snapchat for is messaging. I'll be honest. I don't use Snap Stories at all. And uh, you use it for what? Messaging. Oh, messaging. That's okay. it. Um, and I think majority of users, the primary use case is just the messaging. Really? Okay. Um, but I don't get the same anxiety using so Snap as I do messaging other. is when you obviously send a message with a picture and all that stuff. It could be picture or text, and doesn't matter. And text, and that's the one that disappears as yeah. soon as you open it or after you open it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, interesting. Um, you know, the, the advantage of that is it's much more, um, if you look at it from a human psychology standpoint, it's much more casual. Right. Like the thing that with iMessage or any text message that's kind of strange is that you have this record of all your conversations. Right. And unless you delete them, mm -hmm. you know, I can go back and I've done it with like friends and stuff where I can go back years. Oh, yeah. And I see mean, text WhatsApp, from, WhatsApp is the same thing. Right, right. Right. Any messaging platform. Right. For years. And that's weird. Right. Because a lot of times texting is very casual. 
And I can't go into a memory bank in my head and remember word for word an exact conversation I had with a friend three years ago. But you can with texting. Yeah, right? I, and so I, do that. I do that. So with, I think, that's why my messaging I think Snapchat's messaging very much mimics real life talking. Yeah. Right? Where you send pictures or text, but it just disappears unless you save it. Right? Unless you specifically save it. Take a screenshot or something. Um, and so... That's where, I, that's where I actually think why a lot of people like it is it's probably the closest text-based messaging that we have to real-life talking, basically. So you don't post like you do with Instagram for a bunch of people. When you send a text a message with Snapchat, is it a person or is it like a post that people see? Or no, no, no. You have I'm messaging, just... you have group chats. Okay. It's, like it's, it's basically very similar to Messenger in terms – or iMessage. Uh, you can have a group, well, WhatsApp or whatever. You have yeah, a group. You have, you have you group chat. You have – yeah, one to one, but you send pictures, but everything, yeah. yeah, everything does disappear as soon as you open it, unless right. you save it. Um, but you have stories too, but um, I personally don't use Snap Stories at all. Yeah. Um, no, I agree. I mean, it's funny because WhatsApp, I do have uh, most of my messenger. I mean, conversations or texts are if they are local, it's usually I message. But uh, if they are international, WhatsApp is the platform. And uh, but it's true, I have conversations that go back forever. I mean. Right. And sometimes I'm looking for pictures that I, I received maybe last year and you just swipe all the pictures and they're still there. I mean, you have an option to save them on your phone, which I don't use, but you still have it in the, uh, on the messaging platform. So, all right. So I want to move on to um, uh, Tesla, who also, the company also reported fifth quarter in a row of revenues, which is, I think of it's profits. Of profits, sorry. Not revenues. Not revenues, obviously. Uh, profits. Profitable quarters, the fifth, in a, the, the fifth quarter in a row. And I think that's actually, uh, I think it's pretty remarkable in this, uh, in any economy, but especially now, for Tesla to be finally catching up on a steady basis as far as the production numbers, uh, revenues, and profits. And, um, you know, they had the stock split um, probably about two months ago now. Stock is now about 400 something, I think. I'm just going from memory, but I think uh, it was a 4 to 1 split or something that they did. I, I don't remember. But they were uh, basically, they, they thought that was going to be maybe uh, detrimental or whatever, but uh, it wasn't. I mean, obviously, Tesla, the revenues are there and they are doing very well. So, and, and when you look at all this other noise that is being around with the Nikola and all these other companies that are coming with, and, and major manufacturers too, with electric vehicles and all that stuff, and even uh government rulings as for like california just just passed the uh, uh mandate to uh, basically stop production of um, um combustion engines by 2035 or anything so uh, obviously that tells you that all the vehicle manufacturers are shifting towards the electric platform or any other alternative fuel and uh, uh tesla is still there i mean it's basically leading leading by example i think you know yeah <laughs> no, I mean, uh, yeah, I don't think this is surprising to anybody who actually understood the business. Well, but my question, my, I, I'm not saying that it's surprising, but uh, Tesla, uh, Tesla is a, obviously it's an auto manufacturer, but it's a technology company, really. So when you look at Tesla revenues and profits, especially for the quarter, um, is it mostly because of all the other things that they are doing, like the gigafactories and the other factories in Austin now and, and different locations or um, the autonomous vehicle IP technology that they have, or is it actually the manufacturing of vehicles? Because, I mean, the, the Cybertruck 
is supposed to come no, out. I mean, it's hard to uh, scale manufacturing. And especially when you're manufacturing something that's never been manufactured before. And you have to build all the assembly lines. You have to not just, it's not just the building of the manufacturing facilities, it's designing them. And how many times has Tesla redesigned, right? Remember in the beginning, they wanted to have robots doing almost everything. And now they actually have f way fewer robots than they did before mm -hmm. and more manual labor. Uh, it's hard. It's really hard to scale production. And that's what the growing pains they were going through. Was that last year or the year before when they were, when, when basically Elon said, you know, if we didn't get this done right, we would have been out of business, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that was the hard part. But yeah, now they've, they've gone through that, that agony and come out on the other side. And the biggest advantage they have over all the other manufacturers is all the other manufacturers now have to go through that same agony. Well, they you haven't remember done it yet. when they announced the Model 3 uh, mm -hmm. that people were paying a $1,000 deposit or something? Yeah. That was famously delayed several times to the point that people were kind of asking for refunds and all that stuff. But then eventually, you know, Model 3 came yeah, out. Yeah, but guess what? You know what? The Model 3 is the best-selling luxury sedan in the country. It is. It is basically doing well now. And I think it's the fifth best-selling sedan overall the only ones that sell it are uh toyota honda and uh, a couple others but that's it i mean mm -hmm. they're, they're the fifth best it's the, i think it's the fifth best-selling car in the country yeah. for sedans yeah no i mean they're definitely doing well but and they outsell mercedes and audi and all these other companies and bmw and it's pretty remarkable yeah as far as the uh, european or and they the do import. it without advertising how much money does BMW and Mercedes spend on advertising? Oh, yeah, a lot. Yeah. Well, they're spending, yeah, they're spending definitely a lot. But um, so the um, so so, why do you think Elon announced twice? I think the reduction in price for the Model S, which is their marquee model. Because that's the goal. He said it from day one. He wants to make cars uh, yes, for the masses. but don't you think that you're diluting? First of all, if I buy a Model S for like eighty grand, well, he, he's making a new one too. The new car, remember? Yeah. The new, it's going to be a Model S that's super upgraded, right? Mm -hmm. And you can buy that one if you want it. But yeah, I mean, he said from the beginning, the goal is to make the cars. He wants to make electric cars cost no more than a gasoline car. Mm -hmm. And if he does that, he wins. Because why would anyone ever buy a gasoline car if it costs the same as an electric car? Uh, I mean, that was the case when you buy back in the days diesel because fuel is more... Uh, economic economy. I mean, first of all, cheaper. the Tesla cars are incredible. Oh yeah, right? no, everybody loves their Teslas. I've never heard somebody buy a Tesla and be like, "Oh, it's a piece of shit." Second of all, you don't pay gas, uh, so that's a big one. Uh, obviously, if you care about the environment, it's a better option, right? I mean, if if he can get the price, if he can get the Model Three to be the same price as a Toyota Camry, he's won, and that's the game. That's his goal. Yeah, I it's mean, over. I mean, at this point, we we do know that the what what makes the electric car more expensive than the average combustion engine car is basically the battery cost. Um, and other things, other things maybe too. That's the technology that he has in the in the in the Tesla case. But for the most part, the batteries are the ones that when the, when battery prices come down, um, uh, then the cost will decrease, and that's that's, that's the market that uh, keeps the the cost of the lithium ion batteries and other stuff, which is been coming down a little, well, quite a bit actually lately, but still it's pretty high, you know, which is the biggest cost for, for an electric car. Tires are tires, you know, I mean, you can put all the technology and those are things that are 
what it what they are for all the cars, but the the battery technology is the the one that is more expensive. So, but I mean, aside from that, I think Tesla is definitely the leader right now. And uh, when people were saying, including myself, by the way. Oh, just wait until all the auto manufacturers come with their own models. Like, I mean, Porsche has the Taycan. I mean, in terms of uh, upscale models, there's a lot of companies that are coming with their own uh, top of the line and consumer, average consumer models. But it's not that easy. I mean, Tesla keeps just chugging along and, and creating their own technology. So, and then they're very close to, um, uh, obviously, legislation needs to be passed, but they're very close to fully autonomous cars. And, and I think I. What's very close? Well, I actually think that in a certain environment or a close uh, testing track, they are very... Yeah, okay. Yeah, in a close track, that's easy. Well, Who cares? No. Talks about real world. No. Waymo can do a close track, no problem. Put their car in the real world, they can't do shit. No. I mean, I'm talking about testing in a simulation of real world with highway traffic, it's crossing the street, balls running across the street, things like that, you know. Like, they, they do those tests. They're just not able to do them in a real situation because it's not legal. The governments do not approve that. But um, Elon has said different times that they will be ready when technology is ready, when the legislation is ready. But unfortunately, I think... As far as 100% autonomous, you can fall asleep in the car and you're fine? No. Well, that's level five. Yeah, level five is still another five years away. Even for Tesla? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure. No, you can have it where uh, you can use the car and, um, you know, for the most part, it's autopilot, but occasionally you have to engage, right? That, yeah, we're already there. Especially it depends on the circumstances on highways that already exist. But like fully where you can, level five is basically you don't need a person in the car. Right, that's level five. Level five yeah, is yeah, you don't need a driver. Level right. five is like you know the goal, especially on the uh, the bus- car picks you the, up, picks you off. Yeah, on the business side of like, are we gonna have semi trucks with no drivers? Right, that no, we're still at least five years away. It, it it's it's a much harder. But do you think is that because of the technology or is because, it because of, of legislation? I'm not talking about legislation. Legislation, I have no control over. Elon has no control. I'm talking technology. Five years probably. Yeah. Well, that's not that much. No, it's not that much. I just think people, uh, the, the driving problem was harder than people thought in 2015, five years ago, when they said basically, oh, by 20, because in 2015, I think most people thought by 2020, we would have it. Um, it's just harder than people thought. Mm-hmm. There's too many edge cases, too many. Um, driving is harder than people think. I think we take for granted how hard driving is because... There's, there's a lot of human um, intuition that we have that we don't realize how hard it is when you're trying to program a computer to have that intuition. Computers don't have intuition. No, but I... I they don't have instinct. I, no, I know. But, but obviously, at some point, there's going to have to be... There's going to be a situation where you have autonomous cars, level four, level five, and human-driven cars. And I think that is the problem. If you have a, a, a situation or a city in where it's just only autonomous cars. Sure, but that's never going to happen. Well, so the it goal could. is... It could. You could be, I mean, there's, uh, you could have places where you say, okay, only autonomous vehicles are allowed this, or are allowed this section. But that is going to take... 
basically, first of all, you'd have to spend a ridiculous amount on infrastructure to make that happen. Okay, to have separate freeways for autonomous vehicles. Or, I mean, what do you talk about? What about separate lanes and the freeways like we do now with HGBs? Yeah, but that's going to kill traffic, first of all. If you're going to have two lanes that are dedicated to autonomous vehicles. Well, you have one for, we'll have now lanes that are just for HOV, for vehicles with yeah, multiple but, passengers. No, you don't need that. Just make the cars drivable with people. That's the goal, and we can do that. Yeah, but Trust I me. think that's, that's you know what I'm saying, that you're talking about how difficult it is to drive a car. The difficulty of driving a car is the human reaction to other humans' reactions. Like, if I'm on the freeway, no, it's I'm not constantly just trying to predict where all these cars around yeah. me are going to do, or not do, or not uh, um, signal, or this or that, or their reactions. Yeah, and it's phone, not just whatever. that, though. It's, there could be construction, there could be cones, there could be yeah. sometimes... Like I'll give you an example. The reason why Waymo has completely failed is because of the way they went about it, right? They went about it very procedurally as far as uh, rules-based learning, basically saying, stay in the lane, make sure you do this, right? All, like rules-based instead of, that's not how humans learn. Humans are not rules-based. Humans are experience-based. You drive and you learn and then you get better, right? And that's, they were trying to make it so that, um, Basically, they were learning by specific rules. But here's an example, right? So this happens in Europe all the time. In Europe, people park on the side of the roads constantly, right? And a lot of times, there's not enough space. So you got to kind of cross over the, the lane marker a little bit so that you don't smack these cars. Uh, and that's okay. And you're like, all right, fine. And then you go back. The Waymo car would not do that. It would just stop. It would say, there's a car here, but I can't go over the lane. Right. I'm no, just going to get stopped. That. And then you get rear-ended, right? So that was the problem. What Tesla and other some other startups like uh, Calm AI done, they basically train based on humans. So Tesla cars have cameras in them. Right, okay? there is a lighter and they versus have the camera. Millions and millions of miles of humans driving, right. and they train the machine to learn based off of the human driving. Well, and that's why Tesla's going to win. I understand, and they both have pros and cons. Obviously, the cameras have some challenges on the LiDAR system. That yeah, the LiDAR's never going to happen. Yeah, I think, well, I mean, it could be an add-on to the camera. I mean, I think if you have a camera system with some LiDAR features, it may No, nah, you don't need it. In some cases. No, but either, cameras either way, plus mapping is all you either need. Either way, I don't want to make this. Do you have LiDAR on your head when you're driving? Do you, do you have LiDAR? Well, uh, as far as, in a way, I mean, as far as you, you're estimating distances Yeah, you can do breaking, that with a camera. Uh, yes, you can do it with the camera, but you know, you you uh, mentally have a lighter when you're driving, where you estimate the, the speed of the guy ahead of you. If you had to brake hard, if you're gonna have enough space, you know, the typical three-second rule and all that stuff. So you don't have lighter, but you have a camera. Well, you have you two have, cameras. You have both. You basically yes. No, you don't. Okay. Uh, either way, I don't want to make this a discussion on that. What I'm what I'm discussing is or or trying to clarify is: is there ever going to be a way or a situation where we have? human driven cars and autonomous cars yeah that's the goal because are they going to be sharing the same road and yeah. all that stuff because all the stuff that you were saying yeah yes. still still makes uh, i mean i think in situations you where, know what would take a lot longer than five years to do redoing the entire global road infrastructure that would well, take a lot course. longer and, that's part and of a the, lot more that's money part of the issue. so we're just going to make the cars drive with people and that's the answer if you if I if if we said okay we're, to make self-driving cars work we have to redo the in, United States entire roads infrastructure that's crazy we're not doing that that would cost way more money no, I know. and take decades 
No, just make them drive with people. That's the answer. So right now, locally, in the interstate I-10, that is the major one going through Phoenix, east-west, and traffic is a mess, rush hour, whatever, like every other major highway. Um, you know, people have uh, cars, and they, you, you know, when you travel, you can put cruise control, and the speed is controlled. You can have semi-autonomous vehicles, and they drive and other stuff. But you see a situation where in five years, you basically are behind the wheel, but you program your car and it takes you to work and you are surrounded by cars that are, you know, like human driven, not autonomous. And then everything is fine. Because, I mean, yeah. the, the problem that I see is that what I said before, that if I'm driving, uh, if I'm inside a car, a Tesla, fully autonomous, let's say level four, um, and then I have all these other cars around me, when cars are cutting me off, or doing any kind of uh, uh, abrupt maneuver, um, the Tesla is always going to back off because I mean the uh, Tesla is going to know uh, the yeah. Tesla Papa, the Tesla and other and and uh, and other systems are going to be designed based off of human driving. That's how they learn. Yes, but they're they not going to learn. They're not going to learn the aggressive driving. You know it very well. You get yeah, in the lane learn. and you want to exit and you're trying to get to the exit ramp and the other guy's there and he's not moving and you accelerate and he accelerates and you brake. And, I mean, it's just a lot of situations where sure, humans are kind of uh, That's why I say it's going to take five years. That's why it's not here now. And then, it's harder than people thought. But give it another five years of massive data sets being trained and so the Tesla is going to become one of our um, uh, you know uh, aggressive driver vehicle no, it's, it's going to learn aggressive <laughs> driver it's going to be a normal driver okay I, I kind of that's my question if you I, just said you think it's going to be here in a year I'm saying no it's going to take another five well, but yeah, it might take here. five it might take ten but I just don't know how a, a a vehicle yeah okay so so somebody cuts a tesla off and the tesla has to brake a little bit people cut me off and i have to brake what's the difference happens to normal drivers too right no, no. one's ever cut you off and you had to kind of brake a little bit no i understand sure but but you know happens just to give you i mean another example if if somebody's jaywalking across the street in the middle of uh you know in between yeah. traffic lights car will see them the the car i mean if you cross the street, you're looking, you're hoping that the car, the, whichever is coming, is, is seeing you. But if they don't see you, oh, I mean, you it, get run over. I think the, the Tesla will basically always stop. For that, I mean, the Tesla is way better because the Tesla is always going to see you. Well, Tesla's exactly. never distracted. Exactly. Okay, if you're not paying attention, you'll hit the kid. Okay, but right? that's my, my that's my devil's advocate thing. Okay, if I see a, a swarm of cars that are coming that are all basically autonomous in the future, let's say eighty percent of the cars are autonomous or self-driving or whatever and i'm going in the major artery of the of town with you know traffic and other stuff i can jaywalk and those cars will always stop in the middle of nowhere whereas if it's human driven and i say yeah i mean you can jaywalk with normal people and they're probably going to slam on the brakes and honk at you but you can do it Uh, no if if you're hoping that they see you just because just because a car doesn't obey the laws of just because a car's autonomous doesn't mean obeys the law doesn't obey the laws of physics okay if you just step in front of a fucking tesla it still needs time to brake and time to slow down okay it's no different than any other car so no, I'm not saying stepping in front, but I mean you see a car coming and you know that. You, I mean you're talking no, about people being assholes. Okay, fine. But, right. I mean they are. But people. but but that's I, I not the majority I, of the time. Well, I understand. Okay? That's what I'm saying. That we're not ready for that. People just yet. jaywalk all the time now, knowing that someone might not see them. 
I mean, uh, okay, you have to deal with that. The goal of the Tesla is to be as good as people and hopefully maybe a little better. Because once it's as good as people, then you don't need people driving the car. If it's as good as a person, but it never gets distracted, it's already better than people. No, I agree. I agree with the way the technology and everything. I just say that when you mix, it's like mixing two different tribes, so to speak. Okay, one tribe by itself gets along great. The other tribe gets along great. But when you mix them together, they just have they have friction, you know. So when you're mixing the no. the autonomous tribe with the human-driven tribe, and forget no, about the, the people well, walking. The, the, listen, 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 listen. They are based off of human driving they I, drive like humans they're trained by humans they they look at millions of miles of humans driving and they learn to drive like humans they don't drive like robots that's the point you're thinking of waymo cars waymo cars drive like robots and that's why they'll never work tesla in theory will drive like humans they already do i mean they already have certain levels okay of it, so right? when humans which humans because a lot of humans when they get on the freeway they are pretty reckless driving no not reckless okay obviously. well that's that's my only point you know okay i mean let's move on no but i understand but five you, years you even come you even come sometimes and say holy shit i was coming here and this guy i hate this entry because this guy was just gonna pull over no signal yeah, whatever no shit i mean obviously you always have asshole okay. drivers or people who don't know right. i'm talking about I'm just, I'm just they're trained off of okay in every normal commute to work to or from work usually people have one or two instances where they feel like another car did something that was unexpected you know and they had to back off just to avoid the accident of course whereas if I look behind and I want to get to the right and I have a Tesla or whatever, I'm going to say, you know what? That guy is going to back off because the system is going to say, okay, this guy is not seeing me or whatever. People is the, do that now. Yeah, I know. People do that now without autonomy. They do that now, but they kind of, uh, you have a little bit of a give and take and all the stuff to see who's going to I give or I think you're whatever. overestimating these things. I'm just giving you realistic situations. You know? Your answer, your, your <clears throat> thing always against self-driving cars is, oh, people are going to take advantage. I don't think so. I think people for the most part are going to drive normal and you're going to have edge cases and that's fine. I'm just thinking about cars. I'm, I'm if, if your biggest concern is, oh my God, someone's going to cut it off and it's going to have to slow down a bit, that already happens now. How many times do you get cut off? I get cut off all the time. I never get cut off. People I'm get, always ahead. Okay. People get cut <laughs> off all the time. It happens. I mean, that's driving. That's why you can't have a rules based system. Okay. You need to, they're trained well, off not, of people. I'm not, I'm not discussing or opposing what you say. I'm just saying that yeah, I that's see That's what I'm saying. I it's going to take another five years. It's going to be very challenging. I'm just saying it's going to be here tomorrow. Then, that's why when Elon says, oh, it'll be here in 2021, he's kind of full of shit i mean Why? it'll drive on highways but no it's not going to take you well, like that's, that's exactly you don't need like, a person i'm talking you don't need a person in the car yeah it's going to take another five years okay that is exactly my point where elon said he says he's ready by 2021 I don't yeah think he's full of shit when are I mean, ready by 2021 no i don't know okay? why he says this i don't things. even know we're going to be ready in five years because again uh, if you say we're going to have like this hov lane for no you don't need that. cars you don't need perfect that. i'll go with that all the time and I love that stuff. I would love to go if somewhere you, and say, hey, Tesla, pick me up, pick me up. If you separate lane, we could have self-driving cars today. That's right. easy. Exactly. But but that's <clears> not realistic. Right. Like I said, it's we're not, not going to rebuild the entire infrastructure right. for self-driving cars. And this is not even getting into insurance issues and all that stuff, but we'll, we'll leave it there. Um, <clears throat> all right, final topic for today is um, crypto. I wanted to um, go over, you and I had a pretty intense uh, conversation a couple of days ago about um uh, crypto and all this stuff. Yeah? I said, let's make this quick. Why? 
Are you in a hurry? No, it's just we've already had a long discussion. I want to have another long discussion about no, crypto. No, it doesn't have to be a long discussion. So, I mean, basically, um, I'm talking about crypto and Bitcoin going back to today. I think it's actually 13,000 right now, 13,000 like even, uh, which is uh, a significant increase from what it was two days ago. It was at 11,000 and change. So, um, one of the reasons why it went up is basically the PayPal agreement um, that I wanted you to clarify because you are more of a uh, crypto expert than I am. But, well, you are. So, um, uh, what, why do you think Bitcoin and crypto in general, as, as an addition to Bitcoin, is increasing so much? Um, it's know. benefiting so much from the, from the PayPal wallet, if you will. It, would, that, it was already going up before that. That kind of was coincidental. Uh, might be it helped it go up even more after it was already going up, but it was already going up before that. So why is it going up? I don't know. I can't predict price movements, but it's because it's valuable. I mean, uh, well, I don't think uh, Bitcoin was, I mean, it was going up a little bit, but it was not going up as it was expected. I mean, it was pretty stuck. No, no, it was already going up. And then that same morning, it had already gone up 20%. And then that same morning, PayPal said that. So it wasn't because of the PayPal announcement. Now, maybe that helped it go up more, but it was already up like 20% that day. So you don't think the PayPal announcement... It might have helped, but that wasn't the trigger, no. Okay, well, let's clarify the PayPal thing. So what is PayPal and Venmo Yeah, PayPal case? basically said you can... Uh, we're going to now use... Take Bitcoin, so you can hold Bitcoin in your PayPal account, and you can buy things anywhere that accepts PayPal. You can now pay in Bitcoin. And then if they take dollars, for example, PayPal will convert that Bitcoin into dollars for a fee, obviously. Okay, so basically PayPal becomes so like basically a, you like can a use wallet. anywhere that takes PayPal, which is a lot of places, right. now takes <clears throat> Bitcoin. So it basically makes PayPal become like a exchange uh, slash wallet for yeah. for crypto and only for Bitcoin. It's similar to like a bank, right? When you transfer money to another currency, the bank will do it for a fee, right? It's right. a similar thing. Okay, so. Uh, and that's obviously I'm assuming it's internationally for all PayPal payments and everything else. Um, I think so. Yeah, I mean, I think it so. has to be. I mean, it's not officially active yet, but that's basically the announcement they made. So, so I don't know if that was the trigger. I mean, uh, for what I read, that's a major trigger because when every time there's an announcement like this, it means that people trust Bitcoin more or people that are more on the fence or not so sure. They say, oh, well, if PayPal is taking Bitcoin, that must be like more reliable, you know, that Still, there's a lot of misinformation about cryptocurrencies and all that stuff. But um, um, yeah, the truth is that Bitcoin is up uh, a lot. I mean, um, 13,000, when you look up at the chart, it was basically 11 just a week ago. So um, that's quite a bit of change. Now, the question is whether this will sustain or not, if it will be a sell-off, which normally they would. Some people will take advantage of this too unload some of the bitcoins but uh they but by the same uh, at the same time um ethereum and other cryptocurrencies are also increasing even though there's no major news on there um usually when when one currency goes up the other one benefits from being part of the same uh, neighborhood so yeah. um any other comments on this no i mean i just think uh if I were to say what is a catalyst, I mean, you never know, right? It's the same thing as like, you know, when we joke about like when you see a headline market up today because of blank. It's like, well, they're just saying that we don't really know if that's why the market went up or down. Um, I, the catalyst is in general that because the Bitcoin went up relative to the dollar 
And that's because, well, I mean, you know, we've printed trillions of dollars this year. So the value of the dollar is going down. You can't print more Bitcoin. You can print infinite amount of dollars. So um, not to mention that. Well, uh, but wouldn't you think that if that was the case, uh, it would have gone up months ago? Well, it has been going we've been up. Printing. But uh, these things don't happen instantly. But right? they don't go up 20% or a huge amount like it's gone now in the last couple of days. Yeah, so. I mean, like I said, I can't predict price movements. Nobody can. Uh you know, it could have been that some large institution bought a lot and then other people had automated triggers based on certain price points and then it caused a rally. I mean, I can't tell you exactly why. Uh, it's no different than any stock. I can't tell you why all of a sudden Snapchat went up 25 percent a day. Right. That doesn't necessarily make sense, but it does. It happens. Um, so same thing with Bitcoin. Now, the point is Bitcoin has gotten more valuable. I think the the pros with the biggest thing that i've seen on bitcoin development side is that it looks like lightning network is going to work um when before it was kind of up in the air of if lightning network would work and that's a big deal because lightning network is what allows um, much smaller transactions to happen um quickly and for low fees to a quick summary of lightning network for people who don't know what that is basically how bitcoin works is you have a block chain right, right no. it's a chain of blocks and each block is basically a transaction or set of transactions but these blocks over time become more expensive to mine right mining isn't physical mining it's basically computers running uh processes mm -hmm. um and so you want to try to Basically, the, the problem is that doing things what's called on-chain is expensive. Um, and this is the same for all of the, all of the uh, cryptocurrencies, Ethereum too. Ethereum has um, different methods of dealing with this problem. Mm -hmm. um, but basically, because Ethereum wants to... Bitcoin is based on proof of work, which is mining, right? So when you hear Bitcoin mining, it's proof of work. Um, Ethereum is trying to do proof of stake. They're not there yet. They're still proof of work, but their goal is to do proof of stake, which is a different process. People can look it up. I don't want to get into all the details, but um, Bitcoin is proof of work and going to stay proof of work. Bitcoin is never going to be proof of stake, um, but it's getting more expensive to do things on chain. And so for data trade transactions, for example, if you want to buy a coffee, that doesn't need to be done on chain. So the goal is to try to create a way to do it right. off chain. Right. And Lightning Network is that way. And so Lightning Network seems to be working really well and it's growing and it's scaling so that it can do many, 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 many transactions per second for incredibly low fees. So the Lightning Network is basically independent of the, of the actual coin type. No, it's um, not in the, basically how it works is you do a, a set of transactions off chain and then you, it's, you keep a separate off chain ledger, right? right? and then you settle those transactions on chain but you don't have to do each individual transaction right, on but the chain. it's not just a bitcoin feature that's basically um right different lightning network is bitcoin but right. different um networks cryptocurrencies do different things right right ethereum uses what's called gas right um, that's why i wanted to clarify that it's not just uh you can use that network for any type of currency just use it bitcoin has its no own. lightning lightning network is for bitcoin it's lightning right. network is basically a method for doing off-chain transactions for bitcoin basically mm -hmm. um, actually what I'm reading now uh, PayPal is not just supporting Bitcoin but it's also supporting ethereum and uh, mm -hmm. Bitcoin cash and Litecoin so it's not just uh, doing one and uh, which is going actually further or beyond where um, um, square did um, a while ago with with basically purchasing actually Bitcoin so yeah I mean this actually I think I think gets more uh, 
uh, credibility or stability to the to the Bitcoin or to the crypto um, world when you have now, these major wallets exchanges the, that are more expanded to adopt them? You know, so I think that's one of the reasons why people may. The may truth be, is, you don't need PayPal. The only well, reason PayPal is acting as an intermediary here is because the majority of the world still transacts in fiat currencies, dollars, euros, right. whatever. Right. And so they're creating a convenient way to spend your Bitcoin um, without having to go to, like, for example, I have Bitcoin, and if I wanted to spend it, unless somebody accepts it, then I'd have to go somewhere, exchange it, and then use those dollars. Right. They're just making it seamless. But really, if everybody just accepts Bitcoin, I don't need PayPal. The whole idea of well, Bitcoin exactly. is you don't need well, middlemen. Pay PayPal is just acting like a, like an exchange middle person because PayPal is going to take your Bitcoin, convert it to dollars or whatever the currency right. is for the recipient, and then pay you in your currency. Right. Because if you are Bitcoin to Bitcoin, again, like you said, you don't right. need Right. The, the idea the of Bitcoin is you don't need middlemen. Right, right. Um, but just, for now, just, you will have middlemen. It's not different than uh, if I'm paying somebody in Europe and I pay in euros, and I pay in dollars, PayPal converts to euros and then that person receives euros, you know. So, so I understand how it's, but, but it's good that it's accepting Bitcoin as a currency or Ethereum sure. or Litecoin and all that because it gives it more. When you have this, uh, even banks, I mean, you remember, uh, I mean, uh, or investment institutions, when they start adopting crypto in general, uh, currency and coins into their exchanges of their monetary system, that means that they give more uh, credibility which means that people will start believing into this crypto more and that there's more demand, which increase the prices uh, of, uh, of the exchange prices, basically. So, all right, so that's all I wanted to uh, discuss today. We have the uh, presidential debate, the final one tonight, I think it's at nine, 9 Eastern. It's gonna be a lot of minds changed tonight based on the debate. What do you mean? I'm saying <laughs> oh, that oh, sarcastic. Yeah, no, I don't think- I um, don't think, well, I'm first of, of all, with all the early voting, uh, a yeah. lot of people have already voted. Second of all, I mean, I'm gonna recall the I don't votes. know. I think people have their minds made up by now. Yeah, I, I know. Think. I know. Uh, I mean, this debate always for people. One of them just has a heart attack in uh, <laughs> in the middle of the stage. No, we'll but see. I'm curious. I'm always curious about the uh, technology. Like in this one, based on the catastrophe that was the first debate with everybody. Trump specifically jumping onto each other's lines and abusing the two-minute limit and all that stuff. Uh, in this one, they say that they agreed to cut the mics, so or they mute the mics when you go over your limit. So I'm 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 very curious to see how this is gonna work because I mean they still hear each other. The mics are obviously for the audience, but it's like if you and I are talking here and then all of a sudden you go over your time and I just cut your mic or whatever, you could still hear Sometimes me. Sometimes I think you wish you could do that. Yeah, no. You want to touch this. Um, so, so they can still, I wonder if, obviously in this case it's more Trump, but I wonder if he's going to stop just because the mic is muted or he's going to continue to point at Biden or something or at the host, hostess. Who's case. hosting it? Um, I f Kristen, I forgot her name. She's, she's from NBC. She's the uh, White House uh, correspondent for, uh, Kristen Welker, I think is her name. She's the White House uh, correspondent for NBC, who basically Trump already said that she's biased and blah, blah, blah. You know, he had a terrible um, town hall meeting or question with Savannah Guthrie, too, with NBC. So, I don't know. I mean, he's never going to be satisfied. But anyways, we'll see how it goes. Um, I, like I said, I mean, I don't think it's going to change people's minds. And then they decide the topics and all that stuff. But um, hour and a half, last debate of the um, pre-election, three weeks to go, I think. And uh, we'll see how it goes. So um, any uh, parting comments or anything before we go? 
No, I think we covered everything. Okay. You guys are very excited today. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we thank you very much. talking about politics, and I started uh, zoning Yeah, I out. know. I hear you. I know. It's just um, uh, two more weeks, three more weeks, hopefully, and then uh, we'll, we'll move on to something Sometimes else. Sometimes I feel like an alien because I saw someone say something that, that I thought was kind of ridiculous, but it got a lot of likes, so maybe people feel this way. They said, uh, they said, all I know is that either way, on November 3rd, I'll be crying. I'm not sure if there are going to be tears of joy or of sorrow, but I'll be crying. And I got a ton of likes. Yeah, I know. And I was like, okay. I was like, I don't think you should be so emotionally attached to politics. But yeah, maybe I'm the weird one. I don't know. I'll be relieved for sure. I'll be just, I mean, unfortunately, it doesn't look like it's going to be November 3rd, 4th, 5th or whatever. It's going to take a while to clear this up. But hopefully after that. We can turn the page, focus on the future, and then um, we haven't even talked pandemic for a while, so that's another story. But um, oh, it'll be over. No- yeah, November third, it'll just end. Yeah, it'll just disappear. So I'm um, looking forward to seeing how the holidays ship up for us. So, all right, guys. Well, thanks for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week. And um, if you um, like any section of this episode, except for the things that he said, uh, just follow us on uh, YouTube or whatever you listen to your podcast and. Um, Have a great weekend. Bye-bye.